The Emperor's New Groove. It was a name, a, a title that came to my mind when I was um, thinking of the title for today's message. Now, I don't know if that's an age thing. I don't know if you guys relate to that. But when we were, when our kids were small, um, there was this movie out. I don't know if you guys, did anyone remember that movie, The Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> so, uh, it had something to do with some llamas and things. I don't know, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it was something along those lines. And um, anyhow, so what is it, what reference does it have to the title that I came up with? Not much. Not much reference, but it's something about this groove thing. And um, so the title that I'd like to give today would be um, in, search, in Search of the Rhythm of Life. In Search of the Rhythm of Life. And uh, just to focus us a little bit, I'd like to start with one or two illustrations, just to get us thinking about this topic, the rhythm the rhythm of life. And um, first illustration is for our athletes. And um, just a thought that when, when we're out running or when you're out running and there's this plot, plot, you know, the tacky on the tar as you're running, it's this doof, 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 as you're running along. I've actually found that when you're on a long road and there's this sound in your ears, it's kind of comforting. You know, the steady, steady plodding as, you, as you're run, running along. And then, if there's someone that's running with you, and you've got that same pace, and that same plod, it kind of almost, almost hip, hypnotic in a way, but it's very comforting to, to get this doof, 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 doof as you're running along. So that's our one illustration. Second illustration, and uh, I was almost tempted to ask uh, Jamie to be part of this illustration, but Kathy would have had to be here as well. But this is how it would have gone. So, um, a nice, easygoing, steady song with a nice rhythm, steady rhythm, and Jamie's on the on the drums on the kajun, is it? Kahun, whatever. <laughs> And uh, Kathy's playing along nicely, and uh, it's a nice steady beat. And then, suddenly, for whatever reason, and no disrespect to Jamie, but the, Jamie's got some ants in his pants, and his uh, rhythm just goes a little bit, <laughs> a little bit hectic and a bit erratic. And um, just think about a nice, easy-flowing lullaby. And suddenly the drums just kind of go a bit, a bit hectic. And how do you feel, you know, sitting listening to that, that jarring type of thing? Okay, so that's the second illustration. And then the final illustration, and maybe the moms or the doctors or medical people can, can help me with this. Because I haven't researched this. But imagine a baby in the womb. And being so close to the mom's heart. And I've heard, I've heard that you can actually play music and soothing music to, to the baby in the womb. I don't know if you've, you've heard that. And it has an effect on them. But just imagine this baby in the womb and having the mom's heart right near, your, right near you. And the sound of your mom's heart all the time from your very, very earliest 
um, fetal whatever memories the sound of this rhythm of your mom's heart. And imagine when your mom is sleeping, it's quiet and it's peaceful and this, this beat is slow. And then she's maybe doing some exercise and there's this, everything speeds up suddenly. Or maybe she's anxious. And imagine the effect on the, on the baby in the womb. Um, but during this, this doo-doo, 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 doo-doo. And the, and the, and the reassurance that that gives us. Um, and, and so why am I mentioning these things? Um, I just wanted us to think a little bit about this, this rhythm, this rhythm of life, and, and that it's part of us. You know, from our very earliest experiences, there's this rhythm coming through, this rhythm and this flow. And obviously music is a big, big thing of this, you know, how we appreciate this, this rhythm. And then the question comes, where does this all come from? Where is this rhythm of life? Where does it start? And how does it, how does it come about? So when we look at music, let's, start with, let's have a look at music. When we look at music, we've got something called a time signature, which we know about, a time signature. And that determines your, your rhythm or your beat of that, of that particular piece of music. Just think of the name. So it's time, signature. You know, it, it gives you the beat. And that's a clue to where it all comes from. Everything that we have that has to do with rhythm is tied to time. Am I right? So, so many beats per second or so many beats per minute or my running time. What was my time for that race? And what was my pace? How many minutes per kilometre? Remember Leanne's little thing for comrade showing how many a breakdown of her of her pace. So it all goes back to time. Right? Where does time come from? So where does this all start? Where does this rhythm? And where does this all start? So to answer that question, we need to go right to the beginning, don't we? To find out where time all came from. Where does this rhythm all start? And let's go back. We go back right to Genesis. And some of this insight that I'm going to share with you about Gen- from Genesis is from a book by Mike Morales, um, just to give him credit for what I'm going to share a little bit about Genesis. Um, because if we understand this foundation, if we understand this thing about Genesis and where it all started, then the, other, the rest tends to fall into place. So it's worthwhile to take a little bit of time and talk a little bit about how it all started in that first creation week. So, so firstly, time. And this is such an amazing piece of scripture, isn't it? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, it's Dr. Hoven that just mentions that. He says, there you have time, Space and matter suddenly existing in one sentence. In the beginning. And cause. God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. And there we see time starts. In the beginning. Suddenly there was time. 
So it goes right back to the first verse of the Bible in the beginning. And then following that, we have six days of creation. We have the daily order, the six days of creation. Right in the middle of those six days, in the beginning of day four, it says, Genesis 1 verse 14, let there be lights to separate the day from night, and I'm just paraphrasing. Let there be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Let there be lights to separate the day from night. This is on day four. Let there be for signs and seasons and for days and years. So suddenly there's an order to this structure, this rhythm. There's an order emerging here. Signs and seasons, days and years. And there's also an interpretation that the seasons could be also interpreted as festivals. So you know about the Jewish um, festivals and the cultural things that they celebrate. There's another Hebrew interpretation that the seasons could also refer to festivals specifically. So God created time and then he put in place seasons to govern. But it even relates to the Jewish festivals coming in there in time and in seasons. So what's the significance of, of, of these things? What is this the special thing about creation that we, that we often talk about. It's all wonderful. But when we think about how wonderful it is, we focus on the sixth day, don't we? And, and we focus on us. Because we were created on day number six. And it is true, we're the jewel of creation. We're the jewel of God's creation. But is that all there is to it? Is that all there is to it? Do we focus on day six and on ourselves as the the jewel of creation. Um, and we know the answer to that is no. So in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. So Genesis 1 is all about the six days. But the seventh day is, is actually left over to Genesis chapter 2. And it says... Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Let's see how God emphasizes. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he had rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. Creation. Notice there he mentions the seventh day three times over in those verses. On the seventh day, God finished his work. He rested on the seventh day. God blessed the seventh day. It's, only the, it's the only day that says that God blessed that day. Remember everything else God said was good, was very good. It's the only day that, God said, that it says God blessed that day was the seventh day. So what are we saying? Let's just talk a few more points about the seventh day. So 
Genesis 1 in the Hebrew has got seven words in it. Genesis 1. The first sentence, sorry, the first sentence of Genesis has got seven words in it. The creation story is divided into seven paragraphs. And then it all ends up on the seventh day. And I'm just saying, there's an emphasis that comes through. If you look at this, and you look at all these facts, it's not so much about the sixth day. That's important. Man is important. But it's all leading up to seventh day, God's rest, day of rest. And there's a Jewish quote regarding the Sabbath, the Sabbath day, the seventh day. It says, last in creation, but first in intention. Last in creation, but first in intention. So this whole thing about Genesis that I'm trying to bring across is the importance of the seventh day. And man is important, but only in relation to his fellowship with God the Father on the seventh day. That is the whole emphasis of creation. Is man and creation being created? Man is put in dominion over creation, yes. But, but even there, he's, he's, he's meant to reflect and to, to glorify and to worship God and lead creation in glorifying, in glorifying God. And remember, man doesn't have soul dominion. Remember what we said about day four. Man has no control over the seasons. He has no control over the, the light and darkness. That is not his domain. He's not in charge of that. He's not in charge of that rhythm of creation. God is in charge of that. So in light of that, in light of where this all starts, and... And everything leading up and worshipping God and bowing before God as, as, as ultimate creator. Um, and this is also emphasized, by the way, in Exodus 20, when the, when the Ten Commandments are given. Um, let me just read that. It's a very important commandment. And this is, this is Exodus 20 is actually a quote. A quote of God. Moses is quoting God. It says, Exodus 20 says, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then we know what it says. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. That's verse 4. Verse, um, um, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. This is God saying, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You nor your son nor your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. So, just before you get a bit concerned about this, I'm not saying... Uh, we should now start having church and everything on a Sabbath day. Um, but I suppose you could see maybe where the Seventh-day Adventists do come with some of us, you know, because there is a strong emphasis on the, on the Sabbath day. Uh, but we as, as, as believing Christians celebrate 
Why? We celebrate on the first day, which is the ascension of Christ from the dead. And that's what we, we celebrate, the new covenant um, in Christ. So I'm not overemphasizing the Sabbath from a ritualistic point of view, you understand that. But I'm just bringing across this point is the whole purpose of creation is to be with God, to worship God, to enter into God's rest on the Sabbath day. And that's just so wonderful and so deep. So, with that as a background, <clears throat> I'm just going to give us a few points. A few points. How do we know? How do we know when we are in step with God? Remember the Bible speaks about being in step with the Holy Spirit. Being in step with the Holy Spirit. What are a few signs this morning? And it's just going to take a few minutes. To just share a few signs, five signs. Of how do we know, what are some of the signs that we know when we are in step with, with God and in that rhythm, that we're in that rhythm with God, in His rhythm. Um, the first thing is we will have an appreciation for God's bigness. Appreciation for God's bigness. And if the words sound a bit... Clumsy, you'll see just now why. Um, I'm not saying God's great, I'm saying God's bigness. We have appreciation for God's bigness. Um, and, a, and a psalm that I love in this regard, and I'm sure a lot of us do, is Psalm 19. Um, psalm 19. Psalm 19. <clears throat> the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. The, doesn't it also just sound like a rhythm coming through? Day to day they pour out speech, night to night they reveal knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and all their words to the end of the world. In them he set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs his course with joy. Isn't it just wonderful? The creation, the whole creation, declaring forth, telling forth, all the time, day and night, just telling forth the glory of God. And then 1 Chronicles 29, also on this theme of the, the greatness of, of God. 1 Chronicles 29 is, um, is by David, King David. And he's, he's talking about, this is now towards the end of his life. And he's talking about how Solomon is going to build the temple. Because remember, David didn't build the temple because he had blood on his hands and the Lord said to his son, Solomon will build, build the temple. Um, David blessed the Lord. This is 1 Chronicles 29 verse 10. And these verses are also such a lovely verse, uh, a section. 
David blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honour come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Such a strong, powerful section of praise um, by David. So that first sign, so that first sign of being in step with God and with His Spirit is an appreciation of God's bigness. A second sign is a love for God's book. A love for God's book. And Psalm 19, again, back to Psalm 19, um, the rest of Psalm 19, says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure. All these things speaking about God's word, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great, there is great reward. So we just see how David appreciates the word of the Lord and he lives on that and he feeds on that. And then um, Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm in the Psalms, in the Bible, in the, in the, Bible, the longest psalm, in Psalm 119, the whole psalm, it's actually a lovely psalm to meditate on, because the whole psalm is about the word. It's about the word of God. Um, but I'll just read a few verses. Let's read from verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Isn't this about being in step, eh? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So a love for God's word. And then the next one, the next sign, is an understanding of God's blessing. 
the understanding of God's blessings. And um, when I think of blessings, I don't know what you think of. I think of um, the ironic uh, blessing that, he, that the priests used to give every time they prayed over the people. Um, and that's in numbers. But maybe just, um, I'll keep an eye on the time, but maybe just to share a little bit of the background of this this whole thing, where this all started, this ironic uh, blessing. Um, just go yeah, to Numbers chapter 6. So, when the, when the tabernacle had been built... Remember, God gave them very, very strict instructions. This is how you build it. Why? Why did he give him such strict instructions? Because it was a, a duplicate, if you could say, of, of God's abode in, in heaven. And he gave them very strict, strict instructions on how to build this tabernacle. And then, when they had finished it, remember the Ark of the Covenant as well, in the front of the, in the, in the Holy of Holies? When, he had, when, when they had finished it, God's presence just came down. And power, you know, the fire of God just came down into that um, that tabernacle. But then, when God's presence was there, His presence was so heavy on that tabernacle. Not even Moses, the one who had always been in communion with God, could could enter into that presence. And then God gave them the instructions: you need to appoint a priest, Aaron and his family, and this is how you do it. Follow these steps when you come into my presence. You need to consecrate, you need to sacrifice, you need to sprinkle blood. And all of these steps that you need to follow before you can come into my presence. And only the priest, only the high priest. But then it does say that Aaron and Moses went in together at the consecration of the tabernacle. Once, once all these instructions had been given, Moses and Aaron went in together. And it says that God's presence came down and the fire filled the tabernacle and, his, and the fire went right out the front and consumed the altar in the front, the, the sacrifice of the altar. And that was God's presence. And the people fell down and worshipped. Not surprising when you see such a display of God's physical, tangible presence. So, and then, then it says that the priests raised their hand and blessed all the people. And there's an ironic blessing that eventually developed from that. And it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. This is Numbers chapter 6, the end of chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And you could just imagine the priest, eh, with his hands raised. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And um, just think of the significance of what we're saying there. We're saying, what, what greater blessing could we have than have the Lord's face turn towards us and to see the light from the Lord's face? Isn't that the desire of your heart? To just see the the Lord's face looking favorably upon you. That's my desire. You know, just to have that blessing. And I'm pleased with you. It is well between us. 
you know. And that's what this ironic um, blessing is about. And then, um, and then James 1, verse 17, I'm not going to turn there, it's an easy verse. Um, it says, every good gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And in our, li- in our lives, to, be, to live with that attitude, every good blessing that we experience is from our Father, our Heavenly Father. Every good blessing um, is from our Father. So that gives us that point number, that sign number three, an understanding of God's blessing. Do we have an understanding on our lives of, of the blessings of God? And then number four, sign number four that we're in step is an appreciation for Christ's body. An appreciation for Christ's body. And it's so apt this morning that we had communion this morning, isn't it? Um, and um, I'm not sure if Joe read that section, but there is, in, in that section of 1 Corinthians, that Joe was quoting from, uh, where Jesus says, in fact, in, in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus is talking about the communion, about the... the um, his body and blood. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. But in 1 Corinthians, he actually says, this is my body, which is for you. It's a little bit more directed. Um, But just that appreciation for Christ's body. And I'm, I'm reminded of the centurion. Remember the centurion at the cross? He saw everything that happened. He was, he probably knew nothing about, um, about Christ to start with, about Jesus. I mean, it was a Roman centurion. But from what he witnessed and what he saw about this man on the cross for him, before him, and this body that was broken in such a way, he said, surely this man is the Son of God. And in Mark, just before the centurion says that, it mentions that the temple veil was torn. And there's such a strong correlation between the body of Christ that was broken. The body of Christ that was broken and the temple veil being torn. God's body being torn and the temple veil being torn. And through that torn body of Christ, we now have communion. Remember what I said again earlier about the temple and the strict requirements and the ceremony and the blood sprinkling? Through Jesus, we now have that access. We can go right into our Heavenly Father's presence of his blood. He was the high priest that came with his own blood. Not a blood of an animal. Came with his own blood. And there he gave us access right into God's presence. And um, as we're walking in step with the Lord, we have an appreciation, a deep sense of appreciation. And that's why we love to celebrate communion. Appreciation for Christ's body that was broken. And finally, the final point as we walk in step, we have an eager anticipation of God's bounty. An eager anticipation of God's bounty. And the verse that comes to mind there is uh, that verse about do not store up for yourself treasures uh, on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal but store up treasures in in heaven. That's where our bounty is. 
And an interesting point here um, is, you know, we often hear this thing about as Christians we need to be selfless. We need to put away ourselves. Uh, we need to have no idea of self. And there is truth to that. We've, we've, we've learned about that in Philippians, about humility and so forth. But there's another aspect that we actually do need to be selfish. Because we are storing up something for ourselves in the future. And we're encouraged to do that. We're encouraged to look to our own benefit in the future. And even, even when it relates, the Bible speaks about Christ. Says, but for the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. He wasn't doing it for nothing. There was a purpose to it. There was a meaning. He knew that he would be with his father again, and that was glorious. And there was glory that awaited him. And so that should be our attitude as well. That there's something in it for us. We're working towards something. There's something that we're aiming towards, and we have an eager anticipation of God's bounty and I don't know if I should read it maybe just something from Revelations because it's always good to remind ourselves of how this all ends it ends well it ends in our favour it ends gloriously and Revelation uh, 21 I'm not going to read it all but um I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Remember, we started with the tabernacle, then the temple, then Christ became a tabernacle. And now, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will tabernacle, he will live with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things has passed away. And he was seated on the throne and said, Behold, I'm making all things new. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life, without payment. And then it goes on to speak about the New Jerusalem. Go and read that. You know how glorious it would be. Uh, the wonder of it and the glory of the New Jerusalem. Um, there will be no need for lights there. Because God will be the light. So this morning I just wonder where you stand. Do you feel that rhythm of God? Do you feel that you are in step with the Holy Spirit? Or do you feel you're like that, that drumbeat? Sometimes your life is like that. It's just chaos. It's just noise and hectic. And inside you're striving and struggling. And, um, and how, how do we focus on this? Is this... Some, something for us to do. How do we get back in step? How do we daily walk in that presence of God, in step with God, experience His, His Spirit, walk in step with His Spirit? doesn't mean that everything will suddenly be great and perfect. You know? 
But I'm reminded of Stephen. Remember Stephen? He was being stoned. And I mean, I think stoning, besides crucifixion, is probably... Imagine being stoned to death. They say it's horrific. Um, and yes, Stephen was being stoned to death. And before him, he, he had his focus. Before him, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus standing uh, with the Father. And he had that peace. And he, and, he, and he looked forward and he looked upward. And so let's close on that this morning. Let's be alert to that. Let's be in step with the Spirit. Let's have our focus right. Uh, let's know where we're heading. Amen. Okay, Joe. Thank you, Wes. Thank you for that um, insightful reminder. <coughs> I'm going to ask you to pray for us if it's all right, just so that we, uh, you know, where we perhaps we've forgotten, we haven't uh, um, been aligned and walking with the, the Lord the way we should be, that you'd help us. So if you don't mind praying for us, please, that would be great. Yeah, so I, I feel I'd like to just pray along those lines, that the Lord would, His blessing would be upon us. Um, so if you haven't felt that, let's just... Would you enter into that? Would you ask the Lord for his blessing upon you? That you would be more conscious of him and be in step with him. Lord, this morning, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that when we focus on you, Lord, everything fits into place. That there's, there's meaning, there's logos, there's, there's, there's purpose, there's knowledge, there's Everything fits into place, Lord. And when we focus on you as our creator and on what you've done, Lord, and on how you reach out to each one of us this morning as we sit here and stand here, Lord, that you desire to be close to us, that you desire that we are in step with you, Lord, help that to be the desire of our hearts this morning. And then may we receive your blessing this morning. May your blessing be upon us. May your face shine upon us this morning. Lord, I ask you, would your face shine upon me this morning? And may you be with us in everything we do. May you go with us into our daily lives, Lord, that step by step we will walk with you and we will be conscious this week of your presence with us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. And Lord, we just want to thank you for... The time that we've been here in these premises, Lord, that we can even see your hand upon that. That your, your hand has been upon us here. That we've had great blessing here. We've had favor here from the beginning. And we just pray for the, for the management here, Lord, for the leaders here, Lord, that for Peter and for young Lord, that in some way we've had some input into their lives as well. We just pray for them, Lord. We lift them up to you. We thank you that they've been so kind to us. And we give you praise for that, Lord. We lift them up, Lord. We pray that you would continue to work in their hearts. We pray for their salvation this morning. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And then, Lord, we, 
We also just want to pray into the new premises, Lord. Thank you that we've even found favor there with, with, with the people there. And again, step by step, Lord, we, we follow you. We walk in your way. Help us to be faithful servants as we go forward into this new season. And I'd like to just pray behind me and their family as well. Just pray for them, Lord. Um, that you be a, your hand upon them. Lord, there's so many things happening at the same time. But we just want to pray for them, Lord. Um, that they may go forth in your blessing. That they may experience your presence and your peace upon them as a family. We lift them up before you. We thank you that they've been so much a part of this whole experience that we've had now at Foxwood. And as we were talking earlier, Lord, that today is their last day, today is our last day, yeah, Lord. Uh, the significance is not lost. And we praise you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that as we obey you in our lives, that all things work together for our blessing and our good as we obey and walk into your way. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name.